and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. I like this. If you're listening to podcasts, it's a journal, I guess it is, that we put out for 21 days of prayer. Here's how cool the church is. I had no idea we were putting this out till I came to church today. And I'm like, how cool is this? And so this one's mine. I'm not giving it to anyone. Uh, but make sure if you didn't get one. Do we have more that people can get? Okay. At the back. Uh, so if you didn't get yours already, make sure that you get it. And this will help you through the next 21 days of kind of centering your heart and your mind uh, on, yes, yay, uh, on um, prayer and fasting. Um, and so we're excited about that. Uh, open up your Bibles tonight if you brought them. Uh, and we're going to look at the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, and verse number 9. Um, if you can, on the screens, if you can pull that up in the Amplified, if not, that's okay too. I have it written and I can read it. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This passage of scripture has been on my heart for several weeks now. And uh, forgive me if I get a little weepy tonight. Uh, the Spirit has been just really moving in my life in a neat way. And I'm, I'm very thankful for it. Um, this scripture has brought me a good bit of conviction, and, uh, and so um, anyway, we'll just see how it goes. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and let's look here in verse number 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who caused the growth or gave the increase. What he's talking about here is the people. Uh, there was contention in this church. Uh, people were saying, I like Apollos better than I like Paul. Uh, it would be the equivalent of, like in Word of Life, we have multiple speakers. And, you know, people saying, like, I like it when Pastor Chase preaches. Or I like it when Pastor Hillary preaches. Or I like it when Pastor Joel preaches. And why are they preaching? And, you know, like all of these other types of things that the flesh can do, uh, which are so sad. And Paul is correcting this. And he's saying, no, it takes both takes all of us, one may plant, and get this, one may plant in you, one may plant something in you, I planted, one may plant in you, another may water what was planted, get this, in you, so Paul says I wasn't just preaching, I was planting something in you, you didn't just hear it. You didn't just see it. It was being planted in you. I planted, Apollos came along and watered it, but it was God who gave increase. Now, what did God give increase to? The thing that was planted in you. Uh, how to get planted in you. You opened up your eyes, you opened up your ears, and you allowed it to go into you. 
Uh, tonight, uh, you are having something planted in you. Uh, my, my, literally, my ideology, my way of seeing scripture, if your heart is open, you're not just hearing a message. What I'm saying is planted in you. Other people may come along and water that, or other things may come in and try to take that seed out of your heart with conflicting ideas. But whatever is planted in you will one day be revealed out of you. Uh, and so Paul keeps teaching here, and watch what he says. So then, neither is the one, notice the terminology again, the one who plants, nor the one who waters is anything, but it's God who's causing the growth. Now, watch this, verse uh, 8. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. Watch verse 9 in the Amplified. For we are fellow workmen, joint promoters, laborers together with you and for God. You are God's, watch this, garden. You are God's garden and vineyard and field under cultivation. You are God's building. You are God's garden. You are a garden. Um, uh, throughout this passage, you see Paul using the terminology of a garden. Planting, watering, increase of what was planted. Um, in a garden, you plant things. In a garden, you water things. And then the garden produces the thing that was planted. A garden only produces what is planted in it. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. If you're not taking notes, you can still write that down. <laughs> A garden only produces what? What is planted in it. It will not produce what has not been planted. What are you? You're a garden. What am I? I'm a garden. What am I producing? Right now, Joel Sims, what is he producing? He is producing. If you can get this, it'll change your life. He is producing. I am producing only what has been planted in me. I cannot produce what hasn't been planted. Uh, you cannot produce what has not been planted. You are producing what has been planted. So I cannot produce what has not been planted in me. I am producing what already has been planted. And if I want to produce something else, what do I need to do? Oh, come on. I like it. You're already catching on. We can go home now. If I want to produce something else, what must I do? Plant something else. Because you are a garden. Now it's a question, and this was the part I got real weepy on. Now it's a question if you are God's. Are you God's garden? Is he the one, is God the one ultimately responsible for the seed that's in you? Or did it come from another source? Are you someone else's garden? Are you something else's garden? In God's best, you are his garden. 
In God's best, you're allowing Him to plant things in you. In God's best, He's the one sowing the seed in you. Um, but here's the reality. Just go back a step. What you are producing right now is the direct result of what you've allowed, and it's up to you. Only you can choose of what you have allowed to be planted in you, what you have given your ears to and what you have given your eyes to. What you watch, you're not just watching. It is seed going in you. What I watch, I am not just watching. It is seed going in me. What I hear, I'm not just hearing. It is seed going in me. Um, what I'm around, if it, if it has any type of ability to impress at all something on me, it is seed going in me. I am a garden. Which is why, um, you know, using the example I use today. Well, before I use that example, I'll use me as an example. If you wanted to know something about the Boston Bruins, that's a hockey team in the NHL. Uh, I could tell you. I could, I could tell you right now, Charlie Coyle is doing really well. And Trent Fredrickson, he's really helping. I mean, he's, he's really helping, especially after the loss of, of Patrice Bergeron. Now, when I say those things, many of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Why am I able to talk about it though? Why is that able? Why is that able to come out of me? Because that's what I've allowed to be planted in me. You know why you can show me a bunch of funny TikTok videos? Because that's exactly what you've allowed to be planted in you. Uh, you know why you can tell me all about like the, 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 the you know, latest true crime things? Because that's what you've allowed to be planted in you. And what comes out of you, what's produced out of you, is a direct result of what you've permitted to be planted in you. Uh, I read a book over um, the Christmas um, holidays. We had Sabbath Sunday. And I, like I said, I think during the 1130 service, I had mixed feelings about Sabbath Sunday. Uh, I like it because we get to rest, but I don't like it because I genuinely miss church. I like church. Like church is just something I like. I like the community of it. I like to see you. I like to preach. I like all of those things, but I do like the rest because it gives me a time too to really, you know, pray and read and all of those things. And I felt just a hunkering in my heart to brush up on, on some things financially and to, to just read different books that I, I just figured I needed to read in this next season of life for me and my family when it comes to our finances and how God wants me to manage them. So one of the books I pitch, picked up was this, a book by this guy by the name of Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. Uh, and out of that, uh, I read this book through, and at the end of reading it, I realized I'm already doing, well, not even at the end of the book, while I'm reading the book, I realized I'm already doing all this. I'm already doing all of this. And it's a great book. Uh, if you were just starting out or knew nothing about money, great book for you to pick up. But out of that, I, I began to see why am I already doing all these things? And it was good for me to read to, to remind myself as to why I was doing it. But the reason why I'm already doing all of those things, it's because it's the upteenth book I've read about that subject. Uh, from the age of 18, I have done nothing but read. Like I say nothing but read, huge exaggeration, forgive me. I've read a lot. 
uh, from the age of 18. And out of that, I've read many books along this subject. And it's not that I'm like incredibly disciplined financially. Well, let me take that back. I am very disciplined financially. But it's more based off of the environment that's around me than just decisions that I've made. That when you put so much seed in you, it is impossible not to get that harvest out of you. And if you want a different harvest out of you, you've got to get different seed in you. Why are so many people struggling financially? They allow so much more seed go into them from advertisers about stuff that they don't have that they should want than books that are teaching them to manage their money correctly. And as long as I've got more advertisement getting me to buy stuff I don't need, then information of wisdom on how to handle money a good way, I'll always produce buying stuff I don't want instead of saving money and investing it and giving it like I need. Does that make sense? Because you're not going to change what comes out of you until you change what goes into you. And if you want to see anything different come out of you, you've got to change what you're allowing to be put in you. Now, the biggest challenge that that I want to give you this year is for you truly to be God's garden uh, and not name whatever author you want's garden or not Netflix garden or not ESPN's garden. I want you to come over into a place where you can honestly say, I am God's garden. And I open up my heart to his seed, and I open up my heart to ministers and books and songs and worship things that water the seed that is coming from God's word, so that the things that he wants to be produced out of my life are things that I am allowing him to produce. Uh, Go over to Mark 4. Uh, Mark 4. I was uh, listening to a podcast this afternoon. And do you have a handkerchief by chance anywhere down there? Handkerchief per there. Yes. In the seat. Oh, going to fold it for me. (laughs) Oh, missed the pass. Uh, So, but I was listening to this podcast, and there's a guy by the name of John Tyson. Any of you ever heard of John Tyson? Okay, check him out on um, a podcast. And iTunes is my podcast of choice. But... Out of that, John is pastor of a church in New York York called Church of the City. Great church. And John is from Australia. Huge, huge testimony. You know, high school kid, dropped out of high school, became a butcher, (laughs) but got in a youth group that just radically changed his life. And now he's a pastor, he's written many books, and just a really neat guy. But out of that, he was talking about um, this, and he said this statement, and I kind of quoted it, but I want to make sure you got the exact quote. He was talking about how he became a pastor, and he said, uh, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, I'm more of a product of the culture I came out of than the decisions that I made. I'm more of a product, and honestly, I would say that's literally every single person in this room. I'm more of a product of the culture I came out of than the decisions that I made. And what he was talking about is, is people would look at his life and they'd be like, man, John's so used by God. And immediately, like, you know, account it to something that could be attributed to pride of, like, major decisions he made in life. And his point was, 
it's not like I made these great decisions, although I did, but they were more of a byproduct of the culture I came out of than decisions that I made. And he used this example. He said, when I was a kid, I had no concern for the things of Christ, and someone took me to church, and in one church service, I gave my heart to, to Jesus. And he said, I, I, it just so happened that this was the right church for this to happen in, because he said, the youth pastor came and found me. And thank God for a proactive church. Can I just say, we've got to be proactive. We, we've got to notice the people who are around us and like go after them and help them be discipled in the faith. But out of that, he said, this youth pastor saw him make this decision. And so he went after him and he's like, Johnny T, that's what they called him. Johnny T, God's got a plan for you. And he said, I, I want you a part of our youth group. And he said, it was about two dozen kids. And he said, we would wake up every morning at 4 a.m. and pray, all of us. Like the youth pastor would get us together and we'd all meet up and we would pray. And he said, out of that, I found myself actually waking up at 4 o'clock and praying. Not because I wanted to wake up at 4 o'clock and pray, but because the environment in which I was around made me feel that if I didn't, I would get left out. And so he's setting up, God is setting up really for him, an environment that is making God the center of his life. And without even trying, God became uh, the, the author of the seeds that got in John. And John became God's garden. And what I'm asking for you to do in this season is to set up a culture around you where truly you are God's garden. Where, where you realize, I'm not just watching it, it is seed going in me. I'm not just reading it, it is seed going in me. I'm not just listening to it, it is seed going in me. And asking, is this a seed God wants in me? Is this a seed God wants to be sown in my life right now? Is this a seed God wants me to hear? I want to be God's garden. Jesus taught on this. And we see it taught on in Mark 4. So if you're, you're not there, uh, just flip real quick. And I'm not, so I'm going to flip real quick. Mark 4 and verse number 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you not understand all the parables? The sower, watch this, the sower sows the word. I have planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. The sower sows the word. These are the ones who, besides the road where the word is sown, when they hear it, immediately Satan comes and takes the word which has been sown in them. So notice, the words that you're hearing about the things of Christ, you are God's garden. As soon as those words are spoken, it's seed going in your heart. As soon as that happens, he says, Satan will come for any reason to get that seed out of you. He does not want you paying attention to the word. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll get you to pay attention to any and everything else, but whatever he can do to get you to not pay attention to the word is his mission. So as soon as it's sown, he said, Satan comes to get that word out of your heart. Then it goes on and says, in a similar way, these are the ones whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy but have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary, then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. So notice he says out of this, affliction, what's affliction? It's problems. What's persecution? People uh, picking on you. Um, your passion confronts their lack of passion. And so they'll call you out on your passion to make you think it's strange so that you lower your passion to match theirs. 
And so that's the heart of persecution. Persecution is after your passion. That's not necessary. Um, <laughs> why are you doing that? Why are you being so bold? Why aren't you coming? And, and I can remember when I was 17 and I made a decision to just, you know, sell out to God. Um, I, I didn't go to a lot of stuff anymore because uh, my friends just weren't interested in, in honoring God like at all. Um, and so I knew if I stayed in that environment, and I didn't think like this with this kind of logic, but this was how it played out in my mind, like what I would say it now, is like I knew if I was around that environment, bad seed would continually get in me. And I did not like what I was producing. And I said that this morning, and I want you to just like take this to heart. Why would you be loyal to the worst version of yourself? And like I had a version of me that I was not liking. And I knew a lot of that was because of my environment. Like I wasn't just around people. Being around those people, seed was getting in me. There was stuff getting in me from the influence of those people. And so out of that, I knew I needed to change it. But as soon as I changed it, what would happen? Persecution arose for the word's sake. And all of a sudden, like, I'm feeling it. Why aren't you coming out anymore? Why aren't you with us anymore? Why aren't you listening to that anymore? Why aren't you going there anymore? Because what's happening? Satan is coming for the word. And he said, if it's not persecution, it'll be affliction. What is affliction? It's a problem. That a problem comes up in your life to get your attention off of the word, off of the seed God has spoken to you, and to get your attention over onto it. And then he said, if that doesn't work, he said he'll use something else. The enemy will come in. And he'll say this in verse number 18. And others are ones are whom the seed was sown among thorns. And these are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Notice that the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So like all these other things that people are spending their time on, all of these other things that honestly you used to spend your time on and I used to spend my time on, they begin to beckon for us um, the worries of the world, what the world is worried about, the deceitfulness of riches, like, okay, i got to figure this out, and like that type of thing, lust of other things, that all of a sudden I'm not paying attention to the word that God has spoken to me. And so what happens is, is that seed gets choked out. And he said it's, it's like a seed among weeds. And the seed can't produce because the weeds have choked it out. But then he says this, and this is what we want to be, and these are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. And I, I love how honest Jesus is, because he says even when you accept it, it doesn't mean there'll always be 100% harvest of it. He said sometimes it'll be 30, sometimes it'll be 60, and sometimes it will be 100. Well, in the areas you didn't get 100 in, you got a 30 in, don't give up on it, just do what? Sow more seed in that area. And the more you sow seed in that area, the more you will produce those things. But notice Jesus' priority. He said, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any of them. You are God's garden. And what God is trying to do is to get his seed into your heart. What God is trying to do is to open up your heart and to sow his seed in it. I, I was reminded we've got our prayer conference 
uh, coming up. And I was reminded of um, Jen uh, Tringle, who she'll be here for this prayer conference as well, uh, her message on one of the AM sessions. And I, I went back and I was just looking at some of those notes of, of what she said she felt like was going on in our hearts as a church in this season. And she said some things which I think are just very, very important. And I just kind of want to read these things and just let it strike your heart like it struck mine. Um, you are the only one created to have intimacy with Jesus. Uh, you're the bride of Christ which means you are the only thing on earth that he can have intimacy with. He is impressed with creation. He loves it. He made it. He looks at the universe, and it's, it's wonderful. But you are the only thing who can walk with him, talk with him, be fellowship, be fellowship with him, have intimacy with him. You are the bride of Christ. You are made for intimacy. And what she said, what she felt like, is in this season, God was trying to have um, intimate moments with us because there were things he needed to sow into her heart that just like a woman cannot bear forth a child without having intimacy, that the bride of Christ could not produce what it needed to produce without intimacy with Jesus. And so just like a woman has to have intimacy and then carries the seed from the intimacy in her heart before it's produced in the earth, that many of us were trying to produce things in the earth where we had not had any intimacy in. We're trying to produce things where we have had no intimacy. And, and she said what Satan is after is he's after the seed. He's after the intimacy that you are, are supposed to have in this season with Christ. That he's after the seed. And she gave the example of being after the seed. That when Moses was born, that was the seed of a deliverer. When Moses hit the earth, there was a seed of a deliverer in the earth. And so what did Satan do? He came after the seed. Uh, all of a sudden, it came in Pharaoh's heart. We, we can't allow the children of Israel to outgrow us. And so he raised up a mandate that the, the firstborn of each Israelite would have to die and, and be put to death. And so they're coming and they're killing all these babies. What was it after? It was after the seed of a deliverer. Get it while it's a seed in Moses. Then she said, notice the same thing happened in Jesus' time. That before Jesus came on the earth. Um, and he's, he's born as a baby in a manger. A deliverer is coming that will be produced in the earth. But Satan came after the seed. And Herod got it in his heart to come and kill all of those babies born in Bethlehem and all of those babies born in that region. Why? The enemy was after the seed. And she said in the same way the enemy has been after those seeds, the enemy has been after your seed. That God has been trying to speak much to your heart, but he has not been able to do it because the enemy has been after the seed. In other words, you've allowed other seed to get in your garden but his You've had more intimacy with these things than intimacy with him. And so you keep producing the thing that you've had intimacy with. You keep producing the thing you've had intimacy with. And, and we get mad at the thing that we're producing, but we're not seeing it's coming from the intimacy. And, and God is coming in as, uh, as um, a, a husband. And he's saying, like, I created you for intimacy with me. And when, when we stack up, and I'll just use my life as an example, when I stack up how much time I've had intimacy with Christ compared to how much time I've had intimacy with ESPN, which one wins? 
Because if you have intimacy with ESPN, you will produce the offspring of ESPN. You have intimacy with jokes. You got one for every occasion. You got intimacy with, with the Nordstrom app. You can tell me all the cells. You keep producing the fruit of the thing you've had intimacy with. And Jesus is saying, like, you can produce the fruit of me, and there are things that I'm looking to produce in your life, but I can't do that without the intimacy of the seed. The seed must be in the dirt. The seed must be planted in your spiritual womb. But that can't happen without intimacy. And so she said, there, and she made this statement, there is much contention for the deep of you. She said, you want to know what God is doing in this season right now? He is putting on a whole lot of contention for the deep of you. And, and, and this, this is so big in my heart right now, I'm telling you, because he, that word for many was not paid attention to. And as soon as it was, was put into our church, and as soon as it was put into our service, and as soon as it was heard, Satan came for it. And the way he came for it was with competing lovers who come and try to get your attention on these other things that you forsake, the intimacy with the Lord, to get the thing he wants in you. There is something he's trying to show you in this season. But I got good news for you. It is not too late. It is not too late. It is not too late. It is not too late for you. It's not too late for your life. But you've got to see the Lord in this time, and this is why we're doing 21 days of prayer. The Lord in this time is contending to get something in you. There is something you need to see. There is something you need to hear. There is something that my heart and your heart needs to understand. There is a word that God is trying to sow into you. There is something that your eyes need to be enlightened to. There is something that your heart needs to wrap around. And there is much contention for the deep of you, but what I aim to do is to make you aware of that contention and say, speak, Lord. Your son, your daughter is listening. Speak, Lord. I am your garden. Speak, Lord. You will have more of my attention than these other things. She kept saying this. Intimacy is what birth things. You will only birth what you have been intimate with. What you are birthing is what you have been intimate, intimate with. Intimacy is, worth, uh, is what births things. Then she said this, and I'll close with this. Living in intimacy, living in intimacy with God means that there are things I can't be with. But also things I must be with. Living in intimacy with God means there are things that I can't be with and things that I must be with. Living in intimacy with God means there are things that I can't be with and other things that I must be with. When, when God is dealing with your heart about these paths of consecration and dedication... He, he's not trying to deal with you as a person. He's trying to keep from something. Um, he's, he's dealing with you as a person who is his bride. And I've only had one bride in my life, and she's the only bride I will ever have. Um, and out of that, I am incredibly jealous for her in that way. And, and Christ is incredibly jealous for you in that way. And he wants to have intimacy with you and to not share you with these other things. 
And so there are some things that honestly, they're not bad for you, but there are some things that in order for you to have intimacy with him, you must not be with. John Tyson, this guy I was talking about, shared about his youth group. And he said that in his church, there were these praying grandmothers. Thank God for praying grandmothers. Am I right? Like, thank God for people who know how to pray. And he said, you did not want to get around these women when you were in sin. Because he said, whenever you got around these women and you were in sin, they knew it. Like, they could look right through you and just, you know, deal with that. And he said, on this one particular Sunday night, he was responsible to lead prayer with the, the praying mothers. And he said that they would regularly like take these youth and we need to do more of this honestly. And we're, we're starting to do some of it. But he said they would take this youth and, you know, make them teach and make them preach and make them get up and share their testimony and share their faith. And so he said, you know, it came his night to do that. It was a Sunday night and he's going to kind of like lead the service. Just a teenager, just a kid. And so he's doing, he's like, I'm so nervous. And he's like, I'm nervous to speak, one, but I'm also nervous of like, it's for the praying moms. And so he's like, before I preach, he's like, Father, every sin, I just, you know, throw it at your feet and like it's covered by your blood and you can't tell them about it and all of those things. And so he said he got up and he spoke and he said, I thought it was okay and that kind of thing. But he said at the end of the service, he said, one of these mamas just came up to him. And he said she just walked across the the room just with her finger pointed at him. She said, you. And he said immediately, like I felt just freezing up. And he said, she said, said, you. The The Lord has a word for you. Others may. You may not. Others may. You may not. Others may be able to do it. They may be able to watch it. It it doesn't bother them. They they may be able to look at it. It It doesn't bother them. They may be able to talk that way. It doesn't bother them. Others may. But is the Holy Spirit saying to you tonight, you may not? Is the Holy Spirit coming to you tonight and saying, there's something I'm trying to show you, you may not? Something I'm trying to guide you in? They may, you may not. When I was a kid, uh, we had these special meetings and this minister came in and he, he called me out. And I could, like that praying grandmother, like I could feel my just sin consciousness (laughs) arise in me. Like I repent of everything. Uh, And so I step out into the aisle and he begins to speak over me. And he says, you will be hidden in the cleft of a rock. And the Lord will make his path, uh, his glory shine before you. And he will put his hand over you and hide you in the cleft of the rock. Others may. You may not. And my parents like really took that to heart, and so God bless them. They 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 did their best to like make that happen. And and in many ways I was sheltered and wasn't allowed to do a lot. 
But there was a rebellion that kind of kicked up in me. Satan came for that word, and I began getting involved in all these types of things until one night, like I was in my bedroom and 17 years of age, and I just knew others may. I didn't have those words, but that's how it felt. Others may, but for whatever reason, I may not. And my life got holy. Like it came to this place where my life was just kind of taken away from the things of the world and kind of taken away from these other things. And it wasn't like this radical thing. It was just very pragmatic and very simple, but it was very real to me. And all of a sudden from that, like not being intimate with those things, once again, living in intimacy with God means there are things I can't be with but then also things I must be with. And I found myself more with the Lord. I found myself more in worship. I joined like the youth band. And I did it just so I could be around kids who wanted to worship and like knew how. And I, I saw God begin to do a work in me. But the greatest thing that I began to see is his voice became very real to me. And he showed me my path and he showed me the direction for my life. And, and I'll make a long story short, but here I am now. But I also know that in my current life and in my current existence, there are some things my eyes need to see and there are some things my ears need to hear. And there is something, honestly, that needs to enter into my heart. He's trying to show me something. And I can sense that contention even for the deep of me. That there is something that the enemy would, would want me not to see. Something he would want me not to hear. Something he would want me... He doesn't want fruit produced from that. And so he comes for the seed. But I, I have a sneaky suspicion that I am not the only one. And I know you may look around the world and see what other Christians are doing. It's like, but they can't. Others may. Others may. You, only if the Spirit of the Lord is speaking you, to you tonight. Others may. You may not. Because He's not just a Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. And Moses didn't just hear on ground. He heard on holy ground. And I just want to challenge you during these next 21 days to be... God's garden, uh, to try it out during this season and say, like, there are some things I cannot be with. I'm going long, and I really will close with this, but just let me, let me explain it this way. What is the fear of the Lord? Walking in the fear of the Lord. Um, tonight, on the way to church, a policeman passed us. And immediately I checked my speed. I wasn't even getting pulled over. But just the, just the awareness of his presence changed my behavior. Just the awareness. I wasn't even doing anything wrong. But just the awareness of his presence. He is near. He is here, made me look at my behavior. And what the fear of the Lord is, is me being aware of His presence 
It is me being aware I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. He sees what I see. He hears what I hear. He sees who I am around. He sees what I laugh about. He sees what entertains me. He sees what I find funny. He sees when I'm ashamed to mention Him. I am the temple of God. And Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and they were engaged in like all this. Honestly, it just sucks outside of marriage. There's no nice way to put it. And he wrote to him and he's like, what? Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of the living God dwells in you? Can you take the temple of God and join it to a harlot? And what they would say is like, I wasn't thinking about that. And his point was, exactly. Come to a place where you see you are the bride of Christ and that Christ longs to have intimacy with you so that he can sow a seed in you so that your life can produce what it needs to produce. And understand that the enemy will rise up and cause to rise up everything in your life that wants to take your attention off of your groom and onto all of these other things that are competing for your attention. And the way out is the fear of the Lord. For intimacy, there are some things I can't be with and there are things that I must be with. Let me choose to forsake that which I can't be with, to yield and give myself to that which I must be with and honestly I long to be with. Let's become in these next 21 days God's garden. Take away the ownership of whatever has labeled your garden and make it where at the end of 21 days it just says His. Who is Joel? He is His. Who is He? He is His. Who are you? I am His. His garden. And I receive His seed. And I produce His fruit. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you and let's worship. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you would help us be your garden that you would help us be yours, Father. And Lord, I thank you that in our lives that we see that there has been much contention for the deep of us. Much contention for the things that you have spoken to us. And Father, by your grace, help us Give the deep places of our heart to your voice and the deep places of our heart to your will. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
Let's stand to our feet and let's worship the Lord tonight. You know, in the Old Testament, when they would come for a sacrifice, they would go through a three kind of stage process. The first process was cleansing. The second progress was sacrifice. And the third step uh, was dedication. And what I, I want at the beginning of 21 days of prayer and fasting is cleansing. That for many of us, there has been things in the world that we need to be cleansed from. And before the priest would go in to offer sacrifice, he would take of the, the purified water and he would begin to wash the world off of himself. And what I want for you tonight and what I want for, for you uh, during the first portion of 21 days is to begin to wash the world off of you and for you to just say like I, I see that on me I see that on me and I just wash it with the power of your spirit and the greatness of your name and as the 21 days moves on we'll move from cleansing over into sacrifice where you will offer your body as a living sacrifice and you're going to find yourself waking up and praying longer and stronger. You're going to watch yourself like really begin to offer your body as a living sacrifice. You're going to, the Holy Spirit, watch. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you. Walk away from that. Give up that. Give me that. He's going to ask for Isaac and he's going to move you to sacrifice. But by the end of 21 days, you know what you'll be? You'll be dedicated dedicated for the Lord's use for the Lord knows those who are his and in a great house there are many vessels and you know what vessels he uses those that have been set apart and dedicated for his use but you can't be dedicated without cleansing and you can't be dedicated without sacrifice and that's what this 21 days is all about I'm telling you it's all prophetic I had a whole nother plan for this and the Lord arrested that plan and said no you go this way. Because God is going to cleanse you and then you are going to sacrifice and then you will be dedicated for his use and his service. And out of that, he is going to use his body like never before. Amen. Amen. So let's just take a moment to worship the Lord and just allow him to cleanse us. Amen. Let's worship. <laughs> 